Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. In Colossians, uh, I want to take and read verse 29 tonight. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to read through uh, just about basically the whole chapter. I'm going to stop along the way, kind of point out a few things, and try to drive a a little bit of a point home about um, what what this whole world's about, uh, actually. That's a big, big topic. Uh, but a very concise answer. So uh, in Colossians chapter 1, I want to read that verse and then we'll enter in. So verse 29 says, To this end I I also labor striving according to His working which He works in me mightily. Pay close attention to just the start of that verse. To this end. The Apostle Paul writes the letter to the church at Colossae as he's written many letters that are in Scripture, he writes this letter to a group of people. And in this first chapter, he says a lot. And then he hits verse 29, and he says, to this end. Now, to straighten things out, he didn't put the chapters and the verses in there. We did that for our benefit to be able to find our way around the Bible. So when the Bible was written, it was just a letter, just as if you would write a letter to somebody it was just written did not have the the divisions um and so uh like i say we did that to make it convenient on us but when we hit verse 29 he says to this end i also labor in other words he he's telling you that what i've just explained to you this is what everything is all about to this end this is what everything's about to me and so <clears throat> When he writes this letter to them, he's never met them before. It's not like he's writing to somebody who he has met in person. He's got to, to, I mean, the Lord's having him write to them. He didn't plant this work. He didn't, he's, but he's writing a letter to them. He doesn't know them. I I had a, I've had an interesting enlightenment just recently. I met some folks that are going to be getting married sometime this year. And they're younger folks. As a matter of fact, I sit here and I'm, I'm getting on that side of things. I'm like, they give you driver's license? Y'all don't look old enough to even have a driver's license, which that's an indictment on me, not on them. And <clears throat> they start talking about their wedding party. And groomsmen, bridesmaids, you know the whole deal. And then he says, two of my groomsmen I've never met before. 
in person. And I'm like, wow, tell me more. And she says, but he's been friends with them and known them longer than he's known me. And I'm like, okay. They got to know each other playing video games together. And then as they've gotten to know each other, they've video chatted, you know, hey, this is my kids, this is my wife, and all this, or my fiance, and all this, you know, these are all this, so, you know, these are my people here. One of them's in California. So it's becoming to be a groomsman. And for me, and here's the thing, now, I'm not, I'm not, not trying to knock on that. That makes no sense to me. That doesn't make it wrong. But I'm, I'm, I'm a in-person, get-to-know people kind of, you know, that's just who, we didn't have that when I was growing up, right? And I, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, wow, how do you get to know somebody you've never met them before? The Apostle Paul was, he loved these people because they had something in common. They, they had a common denominator that drew them together, and they didn't even have to be in the same place to be like-minded and to be friends. <clears throat> That's something that you and I are to take in, really, uh, really take in, because if you think about it, everybody that is a part of the body of Christ well, when you meet them, if you meet them for the first time, you find, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're Christians and all, and you have, and this is what's important, y'all both actually have this in common. It's like you've met an old friend. You know, you've, you've got something to talk about. You've got a, uh, something that's stirring within you, that's stirring within them, and you just, you, you, you click not because of the kind of car you drive, not because of the kind of house you live in, not because of the job that you have, because you meet people like that too that have something, they do the same kind of work you do or they, like, they have an affinity that you have and all, but, but this is not an affinity. The scripture, like the scripture to a Christian is not an affinity. It is, it is what changed our lives. It's what is changing our lives. And so the Apostle Paul's writing a letter to them. He's, in he's fallen in love with them through Jesus Christ. He's heard about their love for each other. And so when we dive in, that's where we're going to find ourselves. He's going to you know, share who he is, and then he's going to dive in about who they are. And then he's going to start leading in a direction. And this is, this is one of the questions I want, to take with, want you to take with you. Why was this world made? Why? I mean, you think about it. So many times people think that this, you know, that it was created for, for them, you know? But why was this world made? Why was the sun made? And I mean, why, why is the universe, why is the earth here? Why is it, you know, able to inhabit people? Why, why, is, why is it here, the earth? Our, the thing we live on, this planet we live on, why is it here? So starting with verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints 
and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from our Father, our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, like I told you, I'm, I'm going to stop down through here. Uh, I'm going to skip across a few things. I'll, I'll, I'll dive on some things. I'll stay a little long on certain things. But this is something you're going to see repeated throughout this, this chapter. Paul is going to continually tell you that the reason that he is who he is, the reason he's doing what he's doing, the reason that he loves them, the reason that he's in ministry, everything is because God ordained it, that God set that in motion, that God placed all that and uh, like set all that up in his, his life. Verse 3 says, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. See, there is the common denominator between them. It is the gospel. He's, listen to what he says, uh, verse, uh, verse 5, "...because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel." And he's talking to them, and the same gospel that saved the Apostle Paul, it's the same gospel that saved, saves those, has saved those folks at, in Colossae, it's the same gospel that saved us, and this is the common denominator. He, he, he says, this hope that we have is because you heard the word of truth. Verse 7, it says, And you also learned from Epaphras, uh, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. And so, here again, they, he has heard about them and how the, the gospel has impacted their life, that they are different. And there's a reason that I want to harp on that for just a moment, is if there is no gospel, if there is no desire for biblical knowledge, then, then the common denominator is very small. The thing that you have in common is not broad whatsoever. It's not deep. It's not going to make an a impactful relationship. I'll give you a good for instance. He didn't say, I heard y'all go to church too. You, you, you get it? He didn't say, I, I heard that y'all sing in the choir. I, I heard that y'all go to Sunday school. That's not what he said. He said, I heard of y'all's love for one another. I heard that the word of God had taken root in you because the gospel had changed your life. I heard that there is fruit bearing off of the gospel in your life, that you're different than you were. But so often, if you think about it, so often, how, if, how many people, let me put it this way, how many people do you think have a deep passion for the Word of God? I have somebody that I meet with on a fairly regular basis. That person, when we meet, they have notes from Sunday and from Wednesday. They have scriptures that they have that has been that have been referenced. 
And they, 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 they come and they sit down with me every other week for one hour. And they pull out a notebook and they said, you said this. Explain that to me. I read this scripture and it seems to contradict this. Explain that to me. Why did you say this? What did you mean when you said that? And we sit down for an hour and it is like, it is like life to me. You would be like, well, well, they're criticizing you? No, 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 no. Iron sharpening iron. I mean, I would love to tell you that that happens all the time. In, in my 13 years, and I'm not. This is nothing about me, and it's not not an indictment on on, on everybody else. I'm just wanting you to I want you to just listen though. In 13 years of ministry here, I could count on one hand the amount of people who have done just that. I can't point to anybody who on a regular basis does that or has done that. And, and, and that can happen among other people. It don't just have to happen with me. There are, I think there are probably other people within the church that maybe talk about things. But see, there is, we have an absolute ball. That, that person that comes and myself, I mean, I'm sitting over taking notes myself. But there's something there that we both have in common that has nothing to do with my likes, my dislikes, has nothing to do with my preferences on life, nothing. Why? Because just as I've told you, if we go back a long ways, there is no agenda here. This is just truth. And that's what happens in church life, what messes it up. We come in with agendas, and we start putting our agendas together and try to mingle it in with this, when this is just truth. And that's what Paul's trying to get across here. And, all, and he's saying, look, I heard that y'all have love for one another in Christ because the gospel has been rooted in you. I'm hearing about all these great things going on. And knowing the Apostle Paul, I have to believe that what he's hearing is that they have a deep-rooted desire to know the truth of the gospel. I believe with all my heart that that's why you're a lot of, I won't say everybody, but the majority of you are here. This, this is not... I told somebody just the other day, I said, this, this really isn't a place that's kind of full of fluff to where there's, we're just trying to entertain and doing, doing that kind of stuff. And I mean, and I'm not nothing about me, it's just, it's just this book. But if you take this book and we preach this book, then it is not a feel-good all-the-time kind of thing. I'm excited about this coming Sunday because... Uh, we, I'm actually going to get to preach some, uh, I won't say feel good, but I'm gonna, something that's really, I think, encouraging. That people are, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge encouragement to you. But that's not the way it is all the time. So it's not always the easiest thing in the world to sit up under the Bible. And the Apostle Paul says here, we've got something together. 
Uh, let me hit verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You see the, the, the thrust of the Apostle Paul here? He doesn't pray for them to be able to, uh, you know, expand this particular part of the ministry or do this or do that. He said, I'm praying that y'all would get the understanding. In other words, that you would learn. And what, what does he want them to learn? What the will of God is. That you would get the knowledge of what the will of God is. And that you may walk worthy of the calling, fully pleasing Him, being uh, fruitful in every good work and increasing, once again, in the knowledge of God. I can't overemphasize nor tell you how much it has been impressed upon my life over the last two months. The fact that we, we and I, I, I'm going to say me, I'm not, I don't think I've completely missed it, but I have missed a lot in my pastoral time dealing with heart issues when the truth of the matter is the only way you're going to change a heart is through the knowledge of the Word of God in a believer. You first have to have a believer, and then the believer is changed because of the knowledge of the Word of God. The knowledge of the Word of God and the Spirit of God living in them is going to do the changing of the heart. It's not, but we, I think that a lot of times it's easy for us to get and we deal with it, it's matters of the heart. Well, it is something, the matter with the heart is the heart is flesh. It's, 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 it's our, our uh, out of the abundance of our heart, once we, we've said before, that our mouth speaks and our hearts are wicked. Now, I know that God puts, takes out a heart of stone as Ezekiel 36. He, he takes out the heart of stone. He puts in a heart of flesh. But if you think about that, what he's doing is he has put something in there that he can move and shape and work. We were rigid and lost and darkness and, and sin and death and the enemy of God, and nothing would move that until God takes and takes that out. And then he puts in something that's like clay that he's now shaping and he's molding and all. So now we have a, a malleable, pliable heart. Whereas before we were, we were, you know, against God. We were against His Word. And now He's shaping us. And so Paul says, I want you to understand the, 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 what, the, what God's, the knowledge of God. Uh, verse 11, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And so listen again as he says, who, who qualified us? God did. If he qualified us, it means that we were, before that, what were we? If, if Huh? Unqualified. That's right. We had to be unqualified so that, for him to qualify us. So now we're, 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 now he says that, that God qualified us. Now, for the Apostle Paul, you got to understand where this is coming from. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he is, he is born of the right tribe of Israel. He's a Jew. He's born of the right tribe of Israel. He is circumcised on the eighth day, just like it's prescribed with the Jewish people. 
And he is like he's he's got great training. He is schooled. He is a he is a very very wise man. He has learned many things. He is doing what he feels like his service to the Lord would be. And then God comes along and changes everything in his life. Paul, that was educated, is the one that says, God takes the foolish things of the world, confounds the wise. And so God took a man who thought he was up on top of everything, and he broke him down to the place to where he is now saying, you know what, I am just a base thing. I am just a lowly person, and God's using me. But it's him that's doing it. He takes this Jew who has all the pedigree of a Jewish man. A lot of pride there. A lot, a lot of, lot of uh, uh, I, I don't want to say uh, uh, racism, but it kind of boiled down to it and takes this man and sends him to be a minister to the Gentile people. You might as well have told him to eat pork. I mean, he, that's disgraceful that, that Paul would go and, and, and not just minister, like talk to the Gentile people. He is loving these people. He is caring for them. He's physically touching them. And in the eyes of the Jews, the Gentiles were no better than dogs. And here God is. He's taken him, and he has now qualified him. But to qualify, for him being qualified, it meant that he would be what God wanted him to be. And he would, be, he would know the will of God, and he would go and do what God wanted him to do. So it's, all, it's God working in him to will, will and to do of his good pleasure. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Then he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then we hit verse 16. And verse 16 tells us a lot. In verse 16, he says, For by Him, talking about by Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, I'm going to read that one more time. For by Him, that's by Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible. So, no, everything that anybody could possibly see and the things you can't see. Because there are things that we can't see. Daniel was waiting on help to be sent by God. The angel finally gets to, to, to Daniel. He says, I've been delayed for 21 days. I've been trying to get to you, but I was delayed because I was in a battle with the prince of Persia. All that's going on behind the scenes. There's a lot going on behind the scenes right now. Because see, everything that's created in heaven and on earth, all the angels of heaven... You know, all, all the things that are going on in the spirit realm, all the things that we see, all the things that we touch, He created. He, he made these things. So <clears throat> whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. So all things that are created 
the answer to the question is they were created for Christ. They're His. The Apostle Paul writing to them is a man who has been stripped of everything that he enjoys a privilege of being able to do and say and be. I mean, he's a Jewish man sent to minister to the Gentiles. His idea of uh, serving God was persecuting the church. Now God's got him building the church. You know, God's sending him into places that people just don't normally go. I mean, he plants a church in Ephesus. Ephesus is the center of the occult at that time. I mean, there's commerce there. It's almost like a, the intersection of trade routes. Anytime you got money, you're going to have corruption, right? Anytime you got mass amounts of money, you have mass amounts of corruption. And he plants a church right there in the midst of that because God sent him to do it. The Apostle Paul has uh, had what he was relying on, which a lot of it to be his knowledge and his pedigree, it's been stripped away from him. And now, listen to what, uh, let's, let's go a little further before, because I, I, I'm going to uh, share something with you here in a minute, but I want to get a little further before I do. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he may have, that in all things he may have preeminence, or that he may take first place. Now, now that's in all things that in all things he takes first place. You say, well, what about the enemy? Isn't the enemy winning? Come back Sunday. We'll talk about that a little bit more. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Talking about in Christ. And by him, Christ, to reconcile all things to himself by him. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross... And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And there again, he's the one presenting us. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Notice the, it's the hope of the gospel. Which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, when you take this person that we're talking about, Paul, and you see what he's, what's changed in his life, I mean, just that verse 24 is an amazing statement for God to take a man who was persecuting the church, who was killing Christians, having them executed, stoning people, dragging people out of houses and having them beat, having them jailed, and, and, and he's going and he's got authority to do this. He, he's got all of the paperwork about him to be able to do this. And he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And I wrote this, and I think I've read this before, but I'll read it again. Everything before this verse, check it out. Everything before this verse is the cause of Christ. In other words, so everything 
prior to this moment that he has shared with us, it is the cause of Christ. The cross, the, the, the redemption, the gospel, the change that's been made, it's, it's, it's all the cause of Christ. And now Paul says, I'm taking up the cause of Christ. Christ came to be the gospel. He is the gospel. He dies. When Christ leaves, Paul says, now I bear in my body what's lacking in Christ. It's not that anything was lacking in the sufficiency of Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. Nothing's lacking in what Christ did, but that Christ has ascended, and now the work of the gospel continues to go on. And Paul says, I'm taking that up, and I'm walking with that. That's what everything is about. So he says, everything I just told you, I now am taking this up and I'm walking with it, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. And there we go. He is called into the ministry. Why? Because God brought him into the ministry. Paul didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm going to go and be an apostle. I think I'm going to go plant churches. I'm gonna... No, God drew him into that. And, and I'll, I'll exemplify uh, some of the greatest words that I've ever heard uh, is that if God did not tell you to do it, you better not do it. If God didn't tell you to do it, you better not do it. And we all can get a soft heart and want to go do something good for somebody or want to go help out where something's lacking or whatever. But what, you, what we need to do is what God has commissioned us to do. It's going to be about the gospel, I promise you. If God has us do anything, if God has you do anything, me do anything, you do anything, it's going to be about the gospel because that's what it's all about. This earth was made for Christ. People live and breathe for Christ. For Him to save, for them to reject Him, you can go all down the list and you can go all through all these things, but it's all for Him. Our lives are for Him. And see, when Christianity, when we, when we become Christians... We realize now that our worldview is, is changed. Before, things were about me, about other people, but now it's about Him. That's why I've told you before that when anybody that is not a Christian does a charitable deed for somebody else, it is not for God, it is for somebody. When a Christian does a charitable deed for somebody, it is for God, not for those people. First and foremost... Granted, do the people benefit from the fact that you dig a well for them when there is no water in their community somewhere in a third world country? Yes, they benefit, but you don't dig the well for those people. You dig the well for the glory of God, and God provides water for those people. It's a huge difference. I mean, it's, it's a game changer in everything. You don't teach Sunday school because so, nobody else would teach Sunday school. You teach Sunday school because God told you to teach Sunday school. You don't preach because you felt like you wanted to preach. You preach because God commissioned you to preach. God called you to preach. You don't share the gospel because you feel sorry for individuals because they may go to hell. You preach the gospel because God said preach the gospel. It's so different. I thought God needed me. 
I did. I mean, I, I've told you this before, but when, when I was in Bible college, I was like, God, you're, you're losing because you've got me locked down in Bible college. I mean, I'm studying and I'm working and I, to provide for the family, and then I'm going to school full time. I don't have any time to share the gospel. People dying and going to hell. You don't know what you're doing. You need to let me loose so I can go share the gospel with people. I'd love to tell you that's, that wasn't a real thought, but that was, that's what it come down to after I sit there and I go, why have you got me locked down for this time in my life? And now, all the way over here on this side of things, now I'm going, I'm finally getting it, God. I'm finally starting to understand it. And I mean, I don't know that he said anything like this or thought anything like this, but it's kind of like, I wish you'd have got it 10 years ago. You know? But it's the gospel. Paul says, I claim to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you hear what he said? I claim to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was asked that question at my ordination service by Scott Thompson. He said, Paul spoke of a mystery. <coughs> what is that mystery? And I mean, it's overwhelming. I mean, I, I'm just like, because this dude, he's like, I prayed about what question to ask you for two days. I'm like, he's prayed about this for two days. He knows how to speak Greek and Hebrew. And he's teaching systematic theology and all this stuff. And he's like Yoda walking around the campus, you know. Smart am I. You know, I mean, he's like, he's like every, we're all looking at him like he is like this master Jedi. I've thought two days and prayed about it, two days to ask you a question. And so the first thing comes through my mind, I'm going to have to get some kind of essay on the spot. But then God calmed my heart down because I had no answer. I couldn't come up with, I'm like, I cannot come up with something that's going to, and I'm sitting there. My ordination council had the president of the Bible college and faculty and staff, the assistant, and the faculty and staff, some of them sitting there, which was an unusual thing. I'm think, I thank God for it right now. But, but, And I said, Paul, I'd never thought about really about the mystery of, the, of what Paul preached. But I remembered that one verse. I said, Paul said that he claimed to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I said, so the mystery has to just simply be Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he just leaned across the table and he said, don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that. No matter what happens in church life, no matter what's happening in your own personal life, it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is the gospel. That's it. That's why we live and breathe in Christ. That's why he changed us. You and I did not change ourselves, did we? And the Apostle Paul now is working in this. This is working in his life. And, 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 and he's now, is, where is the power for ministry to happen? Well, let's read a little bit more. So 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Listen, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ, in you the hope of glory, the gospel. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, to this end, I also labor striving according to, listen, so he's laboring, striving according to his working, talking about Christ's working, which works in me mightily. Christ. So the Apostle Paul, who was living and breathing and doing what he thought was ministry for God in his strength. He had handwritten letters from the king, from the rabbis, from the priests, all these. He had the authority given by men to go and to, to arrest these people, to execute people, to stone people. And he's got the knowledge to combat them with and to stand with. He has the pedigree so that he, he is, he's the right person from the right place, the right community, the right, his skin color's right, his neighborhood's right. Every bit of his background is right to do what he was doing. And then God takes and strips every bit of that away from him. And now all he can claim is that I'm doing this in the power of Christ that works in me through me being obedient to the gospel, and it is working mightily. One of the hardest lessons that we have to learn, and it's one of those things that we consistently have to nail, is that it's not about us. This world was not created for me. This world was created for Christ. I'm not saved just for me. I'm saved for Christ. It's all about Him and the power that we work in. And this is what's, what's amazing to me and what's changing. My, my life's changing a lot. I know everybody's life changes. But I'm, I'm having a lot of changes in my life right now in, in ministry, personally. I'm coming to grips with things that I've never had to come to grips with before. And I'm, having, I'm being pushed into a direction that I'm having to rely on His power and not on mine. And I don't like it. I really don't. I mean, I say I don't like it. I, I'm, I'm, okay, I, I'm okay doing what God wants me to do. I don't like the fact that I'm losing control, uh, me losing control. I started welding when I was about between 12 and 13 years old. Hung around farms. Uh, one of my daddy's uh, close friends, his son and I were, uh, were, were close, best buddies. Stayed, spent probably more time at their, their farm. Uh, well, I, I stayed over at his grandmama's house a lot. His daddy had a little shop, and they worked on farm stuff down there, and he'd be welding and all, and he'd show us, you know, a little something, and then we'd get aggravated with us and run us out of there and, and all and get back to work. And then, then there was an old man that worked on the farm, uh, my daddy's best friend. Uh, he worked on a farm there, and over 2,000-acre cattle farm, still operating pretty, pretty good at that point. But the old, the old fella, he was, uh, he was like the mechanic for the farm and all, and 
uh, he he made half of the stuff that they used, you know, and um, I, I got to hang out with him there. And it's not that I learned too well during that time, but I was exposed to it, and I was exposed to mechanical things at that time. And I eventually, I, I went to school, uh, and during high school, just like a lot of people have, took welding, but I was also able to, to, to do it. So it, it was a part of my life. I got into tool and die. At, at the age of 15, I had my first job in a tool and die shop. And so I got some tremendous experience there. Made, made, a, made a good living a long time before God called me into ministry, 20 years worth of it. Prided myself. I, I'm not going to say I was the best, but, but, but I could hold my own with anybody. And I always hold on to that kind of stuff. It was hard for me to sell my toolboxes, my last toolboxes. It was hard for me to sell them things. When I moved to Kings Mountain, I sold my last uh, Kennedy chest full of tools. I told, uh, and and I, I, it was hard because I, I could take that box and I could go anywhere in any shop and I could make a living and support my family with that. You give me a, a, a set of gloves and a welding helmet, I could go support my family. I don't do a whole lot of welding no more. And I had some, uh, eh, not real high quality stuff, but I had something I needed to weld Monday. And it's going to be under a lot of pressure, and it needed to be right. And this was for me personally. I... Matter of fact, I got Trevor. I said, I said, hey, leave your welding lid and your gloves at the house. I'm going to pick them up and use them. And I got over there and got everything set and laid out, cut, prep, throwed that helmet on, flipped it down. I couldn't see nothing. I'm sitting there going, good grief. I'm like, man, that's too dark, man. And I said, give me another welding helmet. And they had the auto darkening on it. So I set it, you know, where at the shade you would set it at. Still couldn't see nothing. I lightened it. I said, there's something wrong with this thing. I lightened it up about a half a shade and still couldn't see nothing. I lightened it up a full shade. Couldn't see nothing. I'm like, man. And I, there's a guy standing there. He's younger, decent amount younger than me, I guess, but. And he's a he he's proficient welder, and I'm they don't have a clue what I'm going through. I, it ain't about welding that thing. It ain't about and it wouldn't my glasses. I don't even I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to find out what the deal is because it had nothing to do with like magnification because they sell magnification lenses to put in welding helmets for old people, right? <laughs> but that wasn't what it was. And I know a lot of people don't know everything about like welding, but see, I used to could see the, the metal. You got to be able to see what you're welding. But I could see the sides of the welding bead, and I could also see the bead as I'm weaving that thing in. I'm, I can see the bead cooling off behind me and stuff. I can't see nothing but one little red dot. I couldn't see what I was welding to. I couldn't see the bead. I couldn't, I, I, and it was then the dude there that's welding, he said, hey, hot rod. <laughs> I'm like, 20 years ago, we'd be rolling in the dirt. <laughs> hot rod. 
I'm like 10 years older than him. I'm a hot rod. He said, you want me to weld that for you? And by the grace of God, I, I stepped by and said, you know what? I ain't got nothing to prove. <laughs> Have at it, man. And while he's welding, I'm stepping back going, I'm having a meltdown in here. So I can't see. If I can't see to do that, I can't grab a welding lid and a pair of gloves and go support my family. That was 50% of what I did. It's hard. That's hard. There's a lot of people that know what it's like to lose abilities. That was hard because I'm sitting there going, yeah, but what if something happens and ministry can't support me? You know, I know how to cook, but I ain't going cooking in a restaurant. <laughs> I shouldn't say I ain't. I prefer not to. And I was like, and God, and see, through that stuff, through that, I've been thinking about all kinds of other areas in my life. You know, what if, what if you just do this and you don't manipulate nothing? You don't, you just do this. Will he change people? I mean, you, you, you don't try to persuade beyond, just do this. Will he come through? Will he provide? And the Apostle Paul says, to this very end, this is all that I know to do. And you and I have got to get to a place in our lives to where we realize that this world was not made for us. It's made for him. You were not made to just do whatever you want to do. And I wasn't made to just do whatever I want to do. And that's what coming to Christ is all about. I can't remember the two words, but I, and I'll bring them, try to bring them up in the next week or two. But when they declared that he was Lord, that word Lord, it means master. It's kind of like the word of the person that owns a slave which implies that you are a slave. You are owned by him. And I am owned by him. So to say Lord means you are now preeminent in my life. You ever, Whatever you say, Master, I'm here to do. That's big, isn't it? I mean, we live in a world that is full of individuality. I also think we live as Christians devoid so often of the power of God in our lives because we want to be our own masters or the master of ourselves. And it's... It's tough. 
it's tough when uh, you get somebody you go in in one direction and somebody takes you in a totally different direction it's not this is not my plan this is not the way i've pictured things this is not how i i wanted things to work out it's amazing i've been on so many roller coasters with god it it, is it's amazing because i've had god take things from me for a period of time and then give them back to me and 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 all the while i'm you know i'm wondering i'm going is he going to take is is this gone forever and some things he's taken from me I, i hadn't i had never gotten back and i don't think i will ever get back some things he's allowing me to do that I've never done before in my life and some things I've done in my life and I've enjoyed that he don't let me do no more. But at the end of the day, it's, and I'm not saying I'm 100% in line following him all the time, but I'm telling you that we have got to get down to that verse that in our own lives we say, to this end. I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. I have people in my life, and I need people in my life. They're outside of my normal realm of folks. In other words, not people in the church, not people in this community, not people from back home. I have people in my life that will be straight up honest with me. And I need it. I'm, a, I'm bullheaded. I need it shot straight in my face. Tell me the truth. I don't need somebody that's, that, that's intimidated about being honest with me because they think it'll hurt my feelings or I ain't going to like them no more. It's going to ruin my relationship. I have to have, I, and we all need people in our lives like that. I'm just telling you. Everybody needs somebody in their life their life that would just look at them and say, you know what, you're wrong, dude. You are wrong. That's one thing that's wrong with our society today. Bunch of sissies. Don't want to hear the truth about nothing. That's a different message. One of those folks this week said, How old are you? I said, well, I said, in about a year, I'll be 50. I said, you know, I said, if you lived 80 years old, I can just picture you, a cane in each hand, and then somebody walking you up somewhere and sitting you down letting you preach. And they told me, because I'm, I'm sharing with them about the fact that I'm losing, I've lost that ability. I'm having some changes in ministry to where I'm, I'm not doing everything now. And I'm looking forward, I'm enjoying seeing other people do other stuff. And 
I'm excited about the idea of sitting down with people and encouraging them. I'm really excited about the idea. And it's kind of weird because I've always studied, but it's always been a stress to me because I'm always trying to cram it in. I'm always, it's always at some crazy hours. It's always, you know, and I, but I got to get it done. And, and I, this ain't nothing about me, but my wife will tell you, I mean, there's been, for the majority of my ministry, even if it wasn't until 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, that's just whatever it took. That's, it was going, I had to get it done because I had a responsibility. And also, I, I take serious that responsibility, but now I'm sitting here going, I, I was telling them, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm contributing what I should be contributing if I don't do something, if I don't you know, with my hands, with producing something or be involved with something. I don't feel like I'm producing. And he told me, he said, they're actually probably about to a place to where they would prefer you to start taking the things that you've learned now because now you've got some time in and the experience with the Lord and, and, all, and actually just leading and teaching them to do things. And this, he's like, and that's going to be tough on you. But if you're going to go further in ministry, that's what you're going to be doing. And see, the idea of doing that is, is so foreign to me. I just say all that to say that if God takes you out of your comfort zone and God leads you to do something or or takes wants you to give up something wants you to go somewhere or do something or volunteer for for this particular thing or wherever god leads you when he whispers to you listen to him don't be hard-headed because i've been there too many times you're just going to go on a rough wagon trail all the way around. You're going to come back and you're going to end up back in the same place again. And it gets not so fun after a while. So I want us as a church body, I want us as the family of God to start striving to this end, the gospel that we be about the gospel in everything that we do and we let God lead us. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. Bring all your failures.
glad he loves you. Love the world so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.